Hello and welcome to Arizona Christian Theater Artists, a podcast dedicated to creating togetherness among Christians in the AZ theater scene. I'm your host, Brianna Fallon, and each episode we chat with local artists about their faith, their craft, or whatever else they feel like. We'll discuss ways to get you plugged into your theater community, tools on navigating the arts as a believer, and as always, an invitation to collaborate. This is episode two, and this week's guest is actor Luz Navarro. Yeah. I'm so excited you're here. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. <laughs> All right, well, welcome back. This is episode two of Arizona Christian Theater Artists, and I'm your host, Brianna Fallon, and today with us, we have Luz Navarro. I'm so excited you're here. I'm excited to be here. Thanks Happy for today. having me. I'm good. It's good. I'm just yes. working, trying to get back into the groove after all the holidays. So. Yeah, I've even been doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, I did get a little break for a little bit, but we're back at it. So. Yeah. So, as is customary for the start of each episode, I ask each actor to prepare a song to sing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but hey, if you want to sing a song for us. Hey, it works because something about Luz is she's actually sings on a worship team. Do you still yes. do that? Uh-huh, I do. Nice. So, um renovation church and arise arise phoenix yeah that's so cool so um a little bit about how me and luz met it's actually funny because first episode i interviewed luz's roommate berta and we actually i don't know if that's where you met her but that's where i met yeah so we all kind of met on the same project which was return to rosie's pub yes I played Ida B. Wells, and Luz played Pocahontas, yeah? Oh, Sacagawea. Oh, Sacagawea. <laughs> My mom, she's like rolling in her grave because I'm Native American. But... <laughs> I don't think Pocahontas yeah, is in it, but yeah. That was, you know, I loved, um, I loved that project so much because that was like the, that was like the project that got me back into mm-hmm. doing theater after having taken, I had to like get a regular job and like pay the bills and I couldn't afford to like go do shows, but... That was like my first step, like back into doing theater and stuff. Yeah. It was my first, like, well, I thought it was going to be like a straight play, but then this ended up being a musical. So I'm like, I want to try, because I had only done a musical, I think one musical before that. So this was supposed to be my straight play stepping into it. And then it turned into also musical, but it was, it was really fun. It was really interesting. The story was interesting. I just remembered that we did a song together. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Liz played the guitar, and I sang, what is it? Yeah. Uh, when I get up. Proud? Is it no, proud? No, 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 no. Yeah. I think so. Something like that. I don't know. Tegan and Sarah? <laughs> that was, I love that. I had so that much fun. fun. So, I today, I kind of wanted to start off by talking a little bit about worship, because mm-hmm. you sing on a worship team. I do. And um, you had mentioned something about worshiping through theater so my first question i don't think i wrote this one down but my first question is what is worship what is worship why do we do it and then my follow-up question would be how do we worship through something like theater that Mm -hmm. isn't like directly like yay god i love you type thing so what do you what what is worship to you well for me i think one i think everybody worships in one way or another and it's not necessarily like to god or to jesus or anything like that it could be you know they worship themselves they worship other things um it's really just like a devotion and kind of an expression 
of your devotion and your love and kind of admiration and awe for something. So obviously, you know, like I'm a Christian, so I'm in awe of God. And the way that I express it would be through worship in song. And then I started trying to expand that into what other what other ways can I worship God and what other ways can I do it? So I think that's when I started kind of thinking about and kind of digging into what does it mean to worship through like theater or through the arts, a different way that isn't necessarily um, like music and worship what your traditional, you know, Sunday morning kind of worship looks like. So I don't know if you know this, but, you know, I've, I do a Rise Phoenix, which is a women's event that we do yeah. once a month. And then you, you sang yeah. with us one time. You came and played. Um, so I was the worship director of that um, where I would lead the worship on it uh, once a month. Um, just an event for women. Anywhere, any woman from all over the valley could come and just um, worship and hear the word. And so this year, it actually ended up switching my position to um, a creative director. So Ooh. because I've been exploring the idea of, well, what other ways can we worship? And is it just sticking to the traditional like i don't think it's supposed to stick to the traditional yeah. music sunday morning i think there's other ways there's storytelling there's spoken word and we've had spoken word we've had um dancing we've had different things that just are just expressions of our devotion and our love and worship to god and i think that's where for me that's what it is it's just letting that pour out and just come out in whatever way you express yourself so, wow. So your creative director mm-hmm. at what, what's it Arise Phoenix. Arise Phoenix. It's just an event. So that is not necessarily, it's a kind of, it's affiliated with renovation because most of us are at Renovation Church, but a lot of the people in leadership don't go to renovation. They go to different churches. So the purpose of it is to unite women from all over the valley to come and just worship together and to hear the word. And the, we have like, um, we our goals are always to, worship word and then outreach in whatever way and connect people so we always try to spotlight a specific outreach every month so people can get involved and get basically network that's awesome so i i'm so curious as to like what type of what type of like non like singing things have you guys featured that are like other creative. So outlets. we've only had we started in September this year. Um, so I've been kind of exploring. It's a little bit difficult because I don't have as much. I'm not full time, so it's difficult when I have a full time job and then going to school and then trying to do um, a rise. Um, but we did have even just um, a special song. We had rap artists come. Ooh. Linga the boss. She was Linga um, the boss. Linga the boss. She's very cool. She came and she um, did. You know some rap songs for us that were different that people don't necessarily sing along to, you know, to yeah. worship in the traditional yeah. church kind of box. Um, and then she had some dancers. We've had, um, we've had a spoken word. We should talk to, I think we had one last year and then she's going to come back this year again. Um, we have Devon. I can't remember her last name, <laughs> but she is amazing. So she's been able to just express in like poetry. And so I'm really been looking for, and I'm still in the search of like what other ways, maybe it's through painting, maybe it's through dance, maybe it's through a monologue or something like that, where you kind of 
express and and devote and just kind of worship in that way and like kind of point to Jesus in that way as well. So, yeah. So what what from performing art, other artistic things other than like singing as as a group, what 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 could someone or an organization hope to gain by branching out and doing other artistic things? Um, I think it's a lot of people feel like they maybe can't use their talents and their gifts that God had given them um, in a church setting because maybe it doesn't necessarily fit the traditional mold, which is, I think, what I keep referring back to is like diversity in that. And I think having a place for somebody to come and stretch that and to just kind of showcase it and to really pour that out can open up and introduce that to other people who may be, well, I can do that too. I have a gift for poetry. I have a gift for writing. And I could use that to kind of point to Jesus or tell a story or bring joy or just, um, I guess, worship in a way. I love that. I also, I, I also feel like, there, I feel like there's a kind of two camps about like how a Christian artist, how they should create art and how they should interact with art. And I feel like one camp is like, we need to be creating stories that point people to Jesus. Like they say Jesus, they say scripture, you know, they, they teach morals. And then other people who are in a camp, which, you know, not necessarily are mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. but the other camp is sort of like, we can get jobs and we can perform and we can, you know, walk amongst everyone else, you know, doing stuff like Lion King and, you know, in the Heights, as I know that I know that you did and just operating as a Christian in that space. Do you have like, do you have one that you prefer or how do you feel Um, about it? Well, when I first started having the call of like singing and doing arts, the Lord that was one of my biggest struggles because I never wanted it to be performance for myself and to get any glory for myself I really was afraid of that Um, so I had to come and and learn that it's not for me there is a balance of like when you're performing you're highlighting what the gifts God has given you but you as a Christian need to point back to who gave you that talent so I think in my in my personal perspective I think I'm leaning more towards and and I think because I've been a worship director I've been on staff at a church as a worship not pastor but director never was given that title so I wasn't a pastor but anyways (laughs) um and then moving into it and just feeling like that tug to to spread that elsewhere and I think um there is there's a balance and I don't think either one is right or wrong I think you do have the people who are in the camp where everything has to point to Jesus, everything has to have a moral. And I think there is people who are, no, like us walking. And I think it just depends on the call that you have of how God is wanting you to point people to him. So for me personally, I think, and it's become more clear, has, have I been doing like theater and different things like that and put being in areas that aren't Christian, you know, that aren't necessarily the secular world. I think God has definitely drawn me to those areas and I've never been ashamed to speak about my, my faith and that I believe in Jesus and everything. And I think even in that action, God has been showing himself to the people around me 
through me. I mean, I'm at least I've been wanting for that to happen. I haven't been like pushy on it. Right. And not everything that I've done has been in, in your face. This is what, this is pointing to God. You know, yeah. I think God like, has a. This is how Christians drink soda. Yes. Like, watch. <laughs> there's a there's the Christians yeah. who there's the artists who are Christian and there's a the Christian artist. Oh, yeah. And I think um, either one works wherever you're at. So I think for me personally, it's become I'm an artist who is a Christian. And as my ministry in my own personal life, no matter what I do, even in my job that isn't arts, because my day job is not in the arts, it's insurance. <laughs> like, how do I, how am I, I'm never, a, I'm not a Christian claims adjuster. Yeah, right. You know, I'm right. a claims adjuster who happens to be a Christian. And in that work, okay, how can I best represent and, and reflect what God has given me, his love to other people? How can I best, you know? Yeah. Work that out and live that out. I I do feel like the older I get, the more the more value I place into going where you feel like God is calling you to go. And I I it I feel like it always comes back to this. Like this was the problem with the Pharisees is we 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 make these rules and we which, you know, I don't think, I don't think rules are always bad, mm-hmm. but we, we fall back on them and we replace that with actually ministering with the Lord and asking him where he's calling us and what he's putting on our heart. So it'd be easy to just say like, okay, well, I'm a Christian, so I, I can't be in a show that says a bad word in it. Um, and, you know, God might have something for you in that show. And it's not so static. It's not Mm -hmm. so, um, it's honestly like, it goes back fundamentally to what I believe like was the issue with like, you know, even the, the Israelites, they're like, we want law. Like we want someone to tell us what to do because we're too afraid to come to you and have you tell us like minister each moment day to day, what we should be doing. And it's just easier sometimes to just learn a role. And stick with that rule. So I love that. I love, and I love that there's like, that you mentioned that there's value in both of those, both of those camps. Mm -hmm. Like some people are called to write Christian stories and act in Christian stories. And um, other people are called to, you know, other secular non-Christian places in order to operate in that. Also, I didn't know that you were a claims adjuster. That's what my husband did. (laughs) That's actually what he was doing when I met him. Yeah, it's not the best it's not job for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know it's, that for someone as a as a creative, that's like such a downer job. And I'm such a positive joy kind of person, and it's constantly met with negativity. So I have to be like, okay, it's not. It's my job. It's not me. I can't take that personal. But yeah, seasons, yeah. seasons. So I'm I'm working to actually working on getting my real estate license right now. So I can. Ooh. Nice. Move forward to have more freedom. Well. Yeah. 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 I had to definitely, there's been a couple times where, like I said, when I met you, like I had to quit, uh, not really quit, but just like stop going out and doing projects because I needed to get like a real job. And so I worked in an insurance industry for in, in a job for six months and I was like, this is the worst, but Hey, <laughs> I met my husband yeah. and I saved enough, saved up enough money to do a acting contract across the country so that was fun yeah 
So you mentioned something earlier, and I wanted to circle back to it real quickly, mm-hmm. is about how we all worship. I never, like, I never thought of it that way, how we, every person, Christian or not, is worshiping something. Um, can you tell us a little bit more uh, about that? Like, what, how, how could we even know that we were worshiping something or... Yeah, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the more I kind of take a look at the world around us, the more that I see that there are things that people are attached and devoted to that aren't necessarily... Some people have, you know, faith, Jesus, but other people have their jobs. Other people have their their families that they're devoted and worshipped. Other people do themselves. I think the one, and I'll say that, as somebody who I recognize that in myself, sometimes I put myself before things mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm worshiping myself right now because I'm I'm completely devoting everything to myself and like kind of putting myself above other things that necessarily doesn't doesn't mean, you know, I think and I'm, I'm not making any sense there, but no, I'm just trying to yeah, just trying to say like people will worship sex, people will worship a specific, even just like artists that they like, or people will worship um, political people or politics or different things. I think, you know, it just, it's something that you're so strongly devoted to that it comes in. And some things, you know, you can worship. Obviously, as a Christian, we know that the main ultimate worthy person who is worthy of worship is Jesus and God because they are, you know, god yeah they're the creator of everything you know the one that gives us love and life and joy and everything and so i think we just have to catch ourselves and a lot of people don't don't you know we go through that that's that's what you were saying about um not everything is static like static i mean Mm -hmm. there's flowy things we go through seasons of where maybe we're worshiping this side too much or this thing over here too much so it's just where you put your devotion to and where you pour out your expression to some people worship just love and things that romance. could even be good. Yeah. Like we always, I feel like that always comes up in church at some point. They're like, you could be idolizing reading books. Like you could yeah. be idolizing working out like things that are seemingly yeah. good things. But so is there anything that you like any tactics that you have to like, when you start to realize that you're kind of putting yourself first and worshiping your needs before God. Well, I take a look at my time (laughs) and I'll say like, what have I been spending my time on? What's taking my most, the most of my time. And I think for, that's something, a big struggle, you know, I'm like constantly seeking like entertainment. Why am I worshiping entertainment? You know, Mm -hmm. why am I wanting to seek this here and just devote myself to it and stuff like that. So I think taking a look at where, where you spent most of your time or even your phone, you know, like taking a look at your screen. Yeah. I started using that screen time. I don't know if you've seen ah, it on my phone. Yes. I started using the screen I'm time like, and no. I was like, oh my goodness, social media is like most of my day. And that's, it's not necessarily, it's not a bad, like social media in itself is not bad, but when you're just focusing and using all your time on that, I think that can affect you. Oh, so, social media. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I wish I never even found it. I keep, you know what I keep doing? I keep like giving myself excuses because I find so much work on social media. Yeah. Uh, maybe I got to find some way to like, like maybe like just see those group postings. Like people are like asking for things. 
But I seriously, I seriously get way too much work from doing yeah those kinds I mean, of things. It's a good tool. It makes me wonder, like, how people, I'm like, how are you finding work outside of Facebook? Yeah. Ugh. So, well, speaking of that, I wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit about race and, you know, like, how do you feel as a person of color, you know, making work, finding projects here in Phoenix? How, how do you, how do you feel like the climate is? Um, well, I don't. I would say, I mean, it seems like I have experience in it, but I'm fairly new to the theater game still. Mm -hmm. So, but I have experienced things where um, I think there's a lot of roles that people have a picture that it's supposed to be white. And so I come at it and I'm like really optimistic and I will audition for that. And then I'll never get those roles, even though I could do them, you know. And I think that it's discouraging because does not everything has the lens that you guys are placing on it. So I think I'm starting to learn, like, okay, where? And I've been getting involved, you know. I also do stuff with Teatro Bravo, yeah, and Borderlands now, um, which are specifically Latinx theaters. Um, so I think. It's it's been it, I'm learning about it still. Like, what does it look like? And I'm hearing things from other people and seeing their stuff, their experiences, and where they they're coming from and how they've been treated in different areas. But I will say that as as somebody who's auditioned for things, um, and it's discouraging to see a cast list that doesn't have POC, right? Doesn't have people who are representing. I think that 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 can get discouraging. But I think. I'm optimistic, so I hope that there's something that we're changing things we're talking about. And I've seen a lot of posts everywhere. Sometimes I have to turn it off because it just gets to my <laughs> yeah head. And I'm like, I see people calling it out and bringing it into light. And I think that's the first step, but there's still a lot of work to do. I think so too. I think one thing, I have this realization. We, You know, I've heard like about systemic racism. And I guess I always thought systemic racism was like, all the white people are in charge. So that means black people or, you know, people of color, they, they don't have, you know, white people are picking other white people and which that, you know, that's not necessarily untrue, but I'm realizing like systemic racism, what I understand it to be is it was a system literally created with the intention of white people or I mean, any particular people group. And the system was not, it wasn't even like a sphere of thought when this system was created that it was to include different types of people. So um, like I took a music class, this music theory class this last semester. And I was like, I had this epiphany where I was like, you know, we I hear a lot of phrases that are like, you know, here's, we, like you don't want to play this chord progression because it sounds weird or you know it's not normal like to make this choice in music because it sounds dissonant and i had this epiphany i was like who decided what sounded normal what sounded dissonant what and and i looked it up and it's actually like a thing that like music theory like music theory to me i thought was just math you know but it turns out that there's like 
weigh different theories depending on where you live in the world, but we just pass off, you know, European uh, theory as theory. Like, Mm -hmm. this is theory. And, you know, I saw like a whole video about like how India has their own music theory that there's there are a lot of similarities, but they're so different. And I and I thought, you know, how does this apply to Minecraft? How does this apply to theater? And it's and it's true, like, you know, who do we who do we say created the theory? Like who's who's behind the acting theories? It's Meisner and yeah. Udahagen and you know, who are I don't know if you saw my Facebook the other day, but I was trying to compile like a list of um, BIPOC musicals. And, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be the same amount as white people, but I seriously could only find like 30 of them. I was like, 30? And even even on that list, there were like a few of those were written by white people, but cast mostly as people of color. But to circle back to our point about theater here, I think... I didn't realize it. And so I think there are probably theater artists and theater makers here who don't realize that they're operating in a system that was either designed for them or not designed without even considering them. And, you know, like you said about people having a lens, it's like really hard to cast Mary Poppins and you have a girl who walks in and she has brown hair and the same build as Mary Poppins and the perfect accent. And you're like, it's hard to be like, that's like someone sitting next to her who looks different. That that could be possibly be Mary Poppins when you have someone walk in who looks so much yeah. like her. I think, too, what, I, what kind of made me think about is the, the beauty standard mm-hmm. that has been so Eurocentric. Like there's things that are. And, and uh, you know, Latina women, we are, you know, we are part white. I think, uh, like, Hispanic, like, I, I have European blood, obviously, and European features because I'm a white passing sometimes. Not, I mean, sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we tend to be curvier women. You know, there's also black women who tend to be curvier. Our lips are fuller, noses, you know, people, we, we tend to have differences in just the beauty of what is how women look and you have a eurocentric look which is like thin nose and pointy dainty like faces and lighter skin and different things like that that has been just fed to us and so even when you're casting like a romantic a romantic lead or the lead woman and the you know it, it's you hardly see i think that's what's been realizing as as a plus size you know hispanic woman I think I look at that and I'm like, well, I think you, you're not putting a woman who is plus size and doesn't look Eurocentric can also be the lead and like leave you the love interest, you know? Right. And I think uh, I look forward to finding those stories because then you, you step out of that picture and that frame of what it's supposed to be. Yeah. I think this like last year, the word for me has been like diversity and stepping out of the mold of like why why do you think this way and can it be a different way yeah is it less true if it's different yeah and so i think that i would look forward to like i said i'm optimistic i hope so and maybe if we need to write it we will yes. do it you yes. know like where we have these people who are different than your typical 
models and there's not, nothing wrong. They're beautiful women. Right. You know, I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's, I think, the diversity. And I think God, as Christian women, God has made us very uniquely. And each of us have something. And, and we are beautiful. If we believe what God is saying, that we believe that he's made us beautiful. He's carefully, you know, woven us in our mother's womb and made us just every detail of us beautiful. I think when we try to, when I feel and I struggle with body image and when I struggle with, you know, being a Hispanic, I think God, God made me this way. He put me in this body. He put me in this culture because that's part of what he put us in, you know, it's our flavors. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I definitely, I was going to say something about, I was so caught up in your story. It was like, I had a point and then I forgot about it. Um, Sorry. No. Oh, yeah. All right. So, you know, I direct and I cast children a lot. Um, and th- this is like one trick I came up with like a couple years ago. This might not be a thing. This might be just like someone came up with this. But this is is I realized that as I envision, you know, like things in, in my head, you know, I mean, some people can't do that. They can't see things in their in their mm-hmm. in their I actually think it's kind of like a gift that like like artists have like practical artists have but you know I envision like if I say like there's a guy driving a car and like you the first image you come in into my mind was like nine times out of ten a white person or it's just like you know a professor like if I think of a professor like what do I think of and I think of a white person and I just had realized like how deep like like I'm being in a way, I'm kind of being like harmful to myself that what is normal in my brain are like attractive white people. Yeah. <laughs> and so one trick I've done is like I catch myself and I'm like, let's envision that same thing, but let's env- envision it as like someone who's not like not white, not good looking, you know, X, Y, Z. And that's something I try to do, especially like when I'm casting and I'm like, hey, let's step back. Like, I envision this character one way, but how... And I always tell young people, and I was like, you have to make them believe that your way... Like, when you audition for shows, you have to make them believe that your your way was better than what they had in their head. You have to convince them, you know, that... Obviously, like, that's not their job, but it's like, you go into the audition, like, I'm going to prove to them that whatever they already had in their head doesn't have to be how this goes. You know, you were envisioning like a meek, you know, mousy white girl, but it's like, I'm going to show you that I can do this part and I can be my best self and it can still work if not better, but it's tough, man, especially with young people. I feel like such a heavy responsibility to be like, I have to make the right choice every time, you know, I can't. Yeah. It's young and plus young people are so self-conscious. Yeah. And casting them one way like man i am casting like girls as boys and boys as girls like that's always like girls are like i don't want to wear that and uh yeah i think everybody struggles with their body body image and what we look like and how we're going to portray ourselves and a lot of it is fed through that eurocentric model of what it's supposed to look like but it's not what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. It's supposed to be more diverse. Yeah. 
yeah, well, thanks for sharing your thoughts. On that, let's see if I've answered my other questions. Um, okay, I mean, we kind of touched on this, but like, let me see if you have any other thoughts on it. What, what, how is it different for you? How you operate when you're doing an artistic project in the church versus how you operate doing an artistic project, you know, like a standard arts organization? Um, well, in the church, because that's what I've been doing, it's a lot more comfortable, mm -hmm. but I'm a lot more, um, I guess I have it in my mind what's the message like what exactly it's saying making i censor it a little bit more um with being in a church setting yeah like more careful more careful you know there's you know people can get offended which is i've had to kind of like okay you gotta let go of that sometimes because the beauty there's beauty in raw stories there's beauty in stories that aren't squeaky clean and mm -hmm. i think that i've always i've always bent towards more of those stories because my life hasn't been black and white my life has been gray you know there's mm -hmm. things that aren't necessarily squeaky clean you know to some people and I've grown up in in churches where it's very conservative and very um kind of more proper and more things like that and I'm you know one I'm I'm Hispanic two I'm an immigrant and so there's a like there's something where I would kind of make certain people a little bit uncomfortable because there's things, you know, my family's loud. We love to dance. We love to do things. And then there's more reserved people who back. Some people would think that dancing was like bad, mm -hmm. you know, promiscuous or stuff like that. But it's just an expression for us where we're just being joyful and that's where we want to do. So I think I'm a little more careful in the church setting and um, in the secular setting, I think, um, there's more, a little bit more freedom. Obviously you, you want to make sure that ultimately whatever project you do is going to come be a reflection of you and your people are going to see what you're doing. Um, uh, I'm not, I don't shy away from things that have cuss words or things mm -hmm. that are maybe a little more edgy. Um, there's definite things that I've had to be like a hard no, like, mm -hmm. okay, this is like super dirty yeah, or something like that. <laughs> and I had to be like, I that's not a line I'm going to cross because I know my audience, but also developing the relationship with the people who will understand why I've chose the story or be able to talk to them of like, okay, this, it does say this. Cause I know I had a lot of people come to Rosie's mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily aligning with, you know, the Christian yeah. mold. And so I had to talk to people about it and be like, and they were like, well, this is a little bit here. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I get that. And yeah. it's not necessarily, I don't necessarily agree with all the stuff that it was done, but it was ultimately the story was this and this and this. So I just, I think um, I'm more careful in the church setting because you do have that. Um, and then I think God has also, and I'm going, just kind of going on a little rabbit trail, but um, I did step down from being a worship director from a church and being in that sort of leadership and being like on staff at a church. Um, I still lead worship and I still am held accountable to what I do, but I think not being in a position of like staff leadership in front of a big church or something like that has given me the freedom to be able to explore different things that aren't necessarily, you know, squeaky clean to right. the world, to, to, to the church. I mean, and 
and not have that reflect against a specific organization or a church and then I could just be me and I could be if somebody wants to approach me I could talk to them and say okay listen I, I get that and this is why I did this and be able to have that conversation so I think there's a purpose in me stepping down from that position and being in a position where I can have more liberties to explore different realms and be a Christian in those dark places because I think yeah. there's a balance you got to be I think I've always been like I I think I mentioned when, when you were asking me the questions a little bit was like I'm called to to be a light, but my name means light. My middle name means bright. So like in Spanish, luz means light and Elena means bright. So I think that's always been something that has always been in my head. And I'm like, where can I shine? The brightest is in those dark places. Yeah. Somebody has to go out there and do those things and be in that area. And think the more I start to do it, the more I start to realize that God has gifted me in the position to be in a position where I can do this and like really shine in a way I mean there's still things that I have to work through still things I have to be held accountable for there's still things that I have to definitely get in the word or pray about and but I've been able to to be in those places and connect with people and that ultimately that's what I want that personal touch rather than just a face or an image in a church setting yeah you bring up a a good point about like being like on church staff and also like doing other artistic projects i've actually like contemplated i was sharing a bit before we started recording that you know i feel led to um to like head up programs and you know you know i i feel i see myself in like leadership positions and i one one thing i've contemplated is like arts ministry and like Maybe one day I could be like a creative arts pastor and like head up an arts ministry. Um, but then I've like thought about like, you know, when you become a pastor, it's like suddenly it's like you can't watch rated R movies and, and you know, all this stuff. And I've like, I don't know if that's if that's the life that I feel called to of like being. And I understand the importance of, you know, there's like like we have to hold thing, people like liable. And it's like. You know, churches want to be sued and, yeah. you know, it's it's important to not only, you know, be like clean in your heart before Christ, before God, but also like an image that you have with the organization that you're, you know, your church your mm-hmm. organization that you're with. But yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. It's like there's been a couple times like I'm going to send an email and be like, hey, can we talk about what an arts ministry might look like? And then I was like. I'm just hearing from God, like, not yet, not this and not yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe someday I'll be, like, wanting to take up that mantle. But for the time being, like, I'm the same way that there are certain projects. And, and oh, actually, like, maybe I can ask you a little bit about how you, like, weigh which projects you say yes to and which ones you're kind of like. Because I've definitely, even even in Rosie's Pub, I had to ask. I'm like, hey... This character says the B word at one point. Like, is there any way I can like just not say that? And other product, other productions, like I've said that word, just kind of depends. But how do you like? How do you wave? Like, yeah, I think um, one with with like swear words and different things like that. I think I have a different perspective about it now that I'm older, because a lot of it is just a way people speak, and just like um. Like colloquialism. Yeah, it's just how people are expressing themselves rather than, you know, biblically 
cursing, you know, and like having or like um, speech that's basically like orally vulgar, sexual things that are not bringing honor. Yeah. Um, I think that you you kind of weigh in like why are they saying it the way that they're saying or why is this word being said here? Um, ultimately, what's the story or what does the character represent? Because I could be in in a story that tells an amazing story of Christ and my character can be a, the character who's not. Yeah. And does that fulfill the ultimate picture of what we're supposed to tell here? Right. And so how can I be true to this character? And ultimately, what is it saying? That What is a project as a whole saying? And I know sometimes we not everything is blatant, you know? Right. Sometimes you do things just because it brings joy or just because it entertains somebody and and there's there's still beauty in it and there's still a way to be a Christian, quote unquote, you know, like about it. But I think what I, what really weighs it is what is the intent of this person saying this? Why is this part here? Am I compromising my own first first of all, my own um, I guess what is my own Moral conviction? Yeah, yeah conviction. what's my conviction here? So I think that that's kind of like one of those things where I have to kind of really, one, pray about, two, like really weigh it. And I think ultimately, what is the picture, the whole picture? I know in the Heights, the character that I played, and I've played, I've been in the Heights twice, you know? Um, Daniela, her character is gossipy and she's just like, you know, sassy and just different things. But ultimately the story was, it wasn't a Christian message, but it's a positive message or it's, it's a good story that brings joy to people and talks about family and community. And I think that's the kind of stuff we want to put out there. I think that there, you can see God in those things. Yeah. Not necessarily have to be blatant about like, this is gospel and the truth and Jesus and this and this. I think there's ways to be able to portray joy and bring that out and bring love or community. I think those things are good. So what can we do? How can we tell the story? Now, the story that the one that I was telling you that was very vulgar that I did um, read through and I was asked to kind of be a part of it. It was very overly sexual and it was overly sexual for no reason mm-hmm. besides being overly sexual. Yeah. And that for me is like, there's yeah. no, I can't do that. That's not. Yeah. It's not okay Just with my like own entertainment you know? sake. Yeah. Yeah, it's like what would the what would the scriptures be like if it was just people doing good things? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah actually, I'm at Emmett's art project, the play that I wrote. Um, you know, as a cast of teenagers, and I had a couple swear words in there. Um, not because I'm like, hey, teenagers, you guys should swear, but they do, <laughs> they do, yeah. and that was part of like, you know, I ha- actually I haven't talked about this like, like, in publicly yet, but. You know, I, the huge message of that show was like, it was about race and racism. And the message of the show was about like forgiveness and redemption. And actually I, the main character who's Emmett, I like tried to make the heart of Jesus. And, you know, throughout the show, Emmett keeps the heart of Jesus when it comes to the topic of race and racism, you know, meanwhile, like his friends are swearing and like threatening each other and, and, you know, but that's how people act. And it would be a really weird story if, you know, the, a character throwing a fit was like, Hey, meanie, 
you know, like, get away from me, you jerk. Yeah. And and I feel like bringing some of that reality to the script makes it hit harder. Yeah. You know, there, there's a there's a reason why our hearts are so moved when, you know, Jesus, you know, helps the prostitute and says, like, or the women caught in adultery, excuse me. And he says, you know, he who's out the sin casts the first stone. There's a reason why, like, that heart, that, that hits us. And it's not because it's just, like, you know, she was being a bully, you know. And we can't just pretend like she wasn't in adultery. Like, adultery is, like, yeah, that's, a, that's a touchy topic. That's, like, yeah. that's a thing people don't really want to hear about. Or, like, ah, like, we don't want to talk about, like, how that, like, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I totally agree that. We have to show how the world... We can't just pretend like people yeah. don't exist. There's definitely... I think to get to a place of repentance, you need to see how dark we are. Yeah. There is some... There's there's an actual darkness that we're being saved from. If everything was just fluffy and nice, then there would be no need for the gospel. Mm-hmm. We are being saved from sin. We are being saved from darkness. We are being saved from things that aren't necessarily, you know clean we are not clean with the bible does say when we're unclean and i think even as our as we are we're christians and even when you become and you've repented for your sins you're still going to sin until we get to heaven you Mm -hmm. know i think that obviously you don't want to we don't want to like continue but that that's part of living the walk and the faith is that okay we're gonna have times that are gonna be struggling there's gonna be our dark moments and that's why jesus came for it's a continuous renewal and working of our faith and like stretching us out and and saying, okay, well, you know, my life isn't this. My life isn't clean cut. Even families who pretend to have it all together, you know they don't. <laughs> yeah. There's even pastors, you know, they don't. I know, obviously, been in, being involved in staff and in a church, I know pastors struggle with so much stuff. You know, I think that there's different things that, we want to make it clean, but I don't think God meant for that to be right. that way. There's a there's a definite like protecting and not, you know, bringing. Obviously, you're going to be convicted for things, and you're going to not. You you do have to keep that in mind when you're putting a, a project out. But I think shying away from something because it's it's rough. Is does a disservice to the story, the ultimate story right. of redemption. Yeah, and I also think. Likewise, that like sometimes the heart of God can come from unlikely places. That was something I was really intentional about in my script is that there were no good guys and there were no bad guys. And like, although, (laughs) although apparently after there's, I wrote the character, um, the character called Emma, um, who was played by Kira. And first off, Kira is just like, she's so, she's so lovely and delightful and then having her play Emma, Emma was kind of like the voice of like the religious um, among like her Bible study friends. And I feel like I didn't make her that bad, but it was like close to opening and everyone's like, oh my gosh, I hate that character so much. I was like, I didn't mean to make her like super unlikable. Yeah. But so, but my intention was, is like, there were the people who didn't identify as Christian in my script said a lot of really profound and truthful things because, you know. Like I said, we're not all bad. We're not all good. And it's like God can move through people even. I mean, I personally believe that everyone always hears the voice of God. Everyone does. And 
you know, we don't always partner with it. And, yeah. but sometimes you do and you don't even realize it because I feel like God's always ministering to us and always pulling yes. us and guiding us. The Holy Spirit. I think so too. And I definitely think we try to put God in a box and that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do, when I would talk about worship before I would talk about when, I mean, I still, I still believe this wholeheartedly. This is part of when I'm sharing about worship. And, you know, the Bible does say that true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Mm. And so I thought about the relationship of spirit and truth. Spirit is flowy. Spirit is, you know, it, it, it doesn't, you don't know where it's like the wind. And then you have the truth part, which is the stable um, truth, hard, you know, something where you will be grounded and have your foundation on. And both the harmony of both of those is what creates true worship. And as we're doing that in whatever whatever area we're working in, whatever medium we use to express ourselves. I think when, when you're a Christian artist or an artist who's a Christian, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever you identify as, yeah. I think that that will ultimately should be on your mind. Is this something, am I grounded? Am I letting the Holy Spirit move freely in this? Because it's not going to look like, you know, just like, you know, any relationship you have it doesn't look like how you want it to look. Mm-hmm. We go through, you you have like my roommate, you know, where we have moments where we're like jiving and there's moments where we don't jive. <laughs> there's things that I expected her to think or she expected me and then it doesn't work. But it's flowy because we're moving together. We're, you know, we have our set foundation of what, yeah, we are going to respect each other. That's part of it, you know, but just to think in how we do any sort of art or expression, or worship. True worship is spirit and truth. Yeah, and a little messy. Yeah, it's definitely messy. Yeah, I definitely feel like when I worship sometimes, man, there are some days, I, I sing in a worship team too sometimes, um, there are some days where I'm just like, man, I am just not in the mood for this, but I signed up, and I'm on the schedule, and I have to be here, mm-hmm. um, and there are definitely moments like where I'm on stage, and the lights are on me, and I can see everybody looking out at me, and... I'm like, okay, just focus on the next verse. And then other times like where I'm just like, you know what? I don't care. Like, I don't, I'm just enjoying like just ministering with the Lord right now. And, but that doesn't mean like, I, I sometimes I think people are like, if you're not feeling it, like you need to, you need yeah. to stop. And I was like, I don't think God's mad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think God's mad that like we're, we're trying and we don't, we're not feeling super spiritual at the moment. Yeah. I think C.S. Lewis talks about um, how God didn't didn't intend for everything to be spiritual because we tend to over spiritualize everything. Yeah, so he true. He talks about how he's like God. That's why he invented drinking and eating mm-hmm. and physical things. And I think when you have those moments of when you're and as I obviously I've had moments like you were mm-hmm. just like I'm not really feeling it right mm-hmm. now, but it's in the action of like actual movement and like physical of you doing it that that in itself is worship. Yeah. Um, Rather than when you have the spirit filled and just kind of emotional, which can be um, worship, I think there's both of them. You know, yeah. I think God God knows know, knew what He was doing when He created us. You know, we're we're humans who are physical, but we have physical bodies, we have messiness, we have things that aren't perfect, and then we also are spiritual creatures where we can connect on a different level that is amazing and we don't understand it. It's mysterious. Girl, you brought up C.S. Lewis. Ooh, I love C.S. Lewis. Me 
too. He's my historical crush. He's a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if like he was like a like a fun guy to talk to or if he just like just, shut up. You know, he just like <laughs> There he goes again. Gave a <laughs> speech at you or something. Yeah. Well, I think we're kind of winding down. Let's see. So, I just have just like a couple questions left. Mm-hmm. So, before like before you share with us like if you're working on any projects now or how to contact you i would love to hear like if you have we gave lots of good advice but do you have any other thing you'd like to add like advice for people who are believers and doing theater here whether that's like practical like here's how to get involved or if it's just like you know like spiritual type of advice what do you have anything to offer for that yeah um, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking, I think, um, one, I think the important thing will be to definitely have a good support system. Mm-hmm. No matter what you do, um, have people who are, who have your best interest at heart and who are going to support you, but are going to call you out on things. So have an accountability group. Um, I think that was the most important because then I, I, it'll ground you in things. And then the other thing on the other side of it is don't be afraid to try things. Mm. Don't put a lens on it that you that shouldn't be there. Don't be afraid to try something that maybe isn't, like I said, clean cut or, you know, perfect or doesn't necessarily definitely stretch that out and see. But having that support group and obviously staying in the word, mm. making sure that keeps you grounded, but express and move and, and do things try it out yeah i love that you said community just don't do meth but don't try do. anything try anything but not methamphetamines <laughs> <laughs> okay cool well t- are you working on anything right now that you'd like to plug or um um well we are doing we're still doing the arise arise movement um so we changed the name from arise phoenix to arise movement because we want to include from other parts of the country or even the world. So now we're moving into COVID times into more mm-hmm. online platforms too. Um, so we have that once a month. Um, our next one I think is going to be on the 15th. I don't know. The, it's the usually the third Tuesday of every month that we come together um, at Renovation Church. We have worship and um, word. And it's, it's a good time community. So doing that. And then upcoming in the future, we'll working with a uh, working on a project for with Borderlands Theater and Teatro Bravo um, for Antigone at the Border, which is the last show that I did. Um, so we're trying to grow that out. But, nice. Yeah. I I didn't know that Borderlands was a theater company. That's really cool. Yeah, and they're in Tucson. Oh, okay. So oh, Borderlands, I get it. Tucson. Yeah, so they have Tucson, <laughs> and then so Teatro Bravo and Borderlands. Teatro Bravo is the Phoenix theater latinx theater borderlands mm-hmm. is more of the tucson so we came together and we did antigone at the border this last november um written by um the artistic director of borderlands theater uh, mark pinate and it's basically the greek tragedy of antigone but written through a modernized kind of stylized differently but telling retelling a story border story um so it was really interesting to be a part of it and i they asked me to join the team and kind of help grow it and maybe tour it next this year. Awesome. 2021. 
Cool. So do you have like, do you want to share any or like how to contact you or social media yeah. handles? Well, I'm on Instagram, Luz Navarro 26. I don't have a fancy one because they steal money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm on TikTok, even though my TikToks are kind of eh. No, your TikToks are hilarious. <laughs> trying to do some funny stuff. I'm just stuff, like, but... how does she come up with this stuff? It's hilarious. <laughs> TikTok is La Luz Navarro. And then I'm on Facebook. I don't really have uh, any websites or anything like that. Just social media. Sweet. Well, thanks so much for chatting. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, me too. Maybe thanks we can come back sometime talk about some other stuff for sure all right well thanks for tuning in episode two um i'll go ahead and put Luz's contact information in the description and we hope to see you for episode three bye bye Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to AZ Christian Theater Artists. Now that you've met this artist, I encourage you to reach out and collaborate with them. You can find their contact information in the description. I'm so excited for what the future holds for this project. And in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at AZ Christian Theater Artists. You can join our Facebook group, which is just getting started. Or you can shoot me an email at azchristiantheaterartists at gmail.com. I hope you continue to tune in and be inspired to pursue the arts while also walking in your divine calling. Stay cool and be blessed, Izzy.